Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at DTCPod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, FinalLoop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try FinalLoop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finalloop.com slash D2C pod and get 14 days free and a two-month P&L within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC Pod? Today, we're joined by Marshall Nyman, who's the founder and CEO of Nymo & Co. So Marshall, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your background in affiliate and digital marketing? Yeah, appreciate you having me on the show. Great to chat with everybody today. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess that's a little long way of a question. How did I get started uh, in yeah. the digital marketing space? So I uh, never wanted to be in marketing, actually, when I originally uh, got uh, started in my career. I just graduated with my MBA and I knew I wanted to live in New York City. So I moved up there and was living on my sister's couch for a bit and was just trying to find an opportunity. Went out one night with a buddy, started talking to one of his friends and he told me to bring my computer uh, and uh, meet him first thing Monday morning at his office. And I did. And that's how I got started in affiliate marketing. I had no experience. And he basically taught me how the industry worked. I started out as just a little internship. Then after a few weeks, it turned into uh, an hourly job. And then before I knew it, I was a full-time employee there. And I worked there for five years. And anything that you could have learned about affiliate marketing, I had an opportunity to do there. Um, we were generating traffic primarily through email, through different types of offers. And that's really where I got my passion and knew that I wanted to someday start my own affiliate business. Uh, but from that direction out in New York City, I got pulled all the way out to California and I started working for an e-commerce business that did everything for brands. It was called One Stop. They were one stop stop for anything that you needed for an e-commerce business. They built the website on their own platform. They had a development team in-house. They did customer service, support, fulfillment, and marketing, uh, among other things. So within the marketing team there, I was working on the email side of things, saw they had a really big need for affiliate marketing, and was able to bring my experience in the last company there and help them really ramp up what they were doing in the affiliate space. And it was really a different type of affiliate than what I was used to. This was more commerce-focused content, direct-to-consumer brands, not as much as what we were doing in the past, where it was maybe like a one-off uh, offer. It wasn't maybe a brand that wouldn't maybe resonate with you and I. Um, so this was really exciting for me. And at that time, someone said, Hey, um, I need help on a brand. And so I decided to give them a little support on the email marketing side of things. And when I left the conversation, I said, Hey, 
you ever think about doing any affiliate marketing? And they said, we've thought about it, but never kind of, you know, got to the point where they jumped in. And I said, you know, do you want to start an affiliate marketing program? Let's do it. And we got one kicked off. That was my very first client. It was actually six years ago, uh, this March. And that's how Nymo was born. It just started as a little side project. And then six years later, it's a full-flown uh, agency. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the agency and what you guys special in now? Like, what what is it as it exists today? Yeah, so as far as affiliate marketing, in a very simple answer, we help brands get promoted via third parties, whether it's on social or a different platform. Um, could be a website. And then they get a commission if somebody makes a sale. So it's 100% performance-based. There's a ton of different types of partners within this space. There's coupon, content, loyalty. There's even some technology partners. You can even re uh, run paid search, paid social through an affiliate model. So affiliates are a very broad channel. As far as what we specifically focus on, we help brands with content partnerships. So we think about that point where someone's going to solve that problem on Google, what is that question they're going to ask? Maybe there's a best of list. Maybe there's a product review or brand review um, that that person's going to interact with. A lot of times those are affiliate articles. We're helping the brands we work with get their products in front of those editors. Those editors will produce content um, or maybe an influencer on their social handle. Um, and then we track everything via our affiliate platform. And that's how they drive the traffic and we track those sales and they get a payout. So uh, it's a really cool model because it doesn't require a big upfront budget like maybe uh, other channels where you're used to saying, here's 10, 20, 50 or $100,000, go run this campaign. Instead, it's, hey, can you please run this campaign? Um, and this is the type of payout that you could potentially make. Um, on a rev share. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about affiliate in the terms of like, why does it work? What from, I guess, maybe the consumer side of point of view, right? Like why is affiliate such a strong channel um, as opposed to just going to the brand? And how do you maybe like build a strategy? So, you know, the consumer can see the brand when they're talking directly one-to-one -to, -one to the brand or landing on that page, but like, what's the power of affiliate in leveraging other uh, channels to speak about brands. Yeah, I think the reason it's a strong channel is because it's really not one thing. Affiliate can be so many different things. And that's why over time it's evolved and it's continued to become a stronger and stronger channel for brands because anybody can leverage affiliate for really whatever they're doing. Um, it's more of like a means to run your marketing than necessarily a marketing channel. Um, so that's why I think it's it's grown a lot and there's a lot of interest and why it's so applicable is because, you know, there's coupon publishers, everybody's searching for a deal. You know, there's loyalty partners. People want to be rewarded for their shopping behavior. There's con uh, content. People want to know about the newest products. There's review sites. People want to know people's opinions on the products, how they rank out. There's influencers. Uh, you know, you can have a technology on your site as well, running on an affiliate basis. So that's why I think, you know, there's just so many options. It's not like it's like a very specific channel, like some of the others where this is the tactic you're employing it. And, you know, you kind of run with it. Affiliates, a lot of test and learn 
what worked for one brand in the same vertical may not work for another brand. So you really have to be willing to test on the channel, try different partners, see where your audience uh, is and have that partner produce content. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what an offer looks like for a brand or what an, an affiliate engagement looks like. So say the brands got started, they know how to, you know, they've built a product, they've started to sell direct, maybe on a couple other different main channels, like maybe they're on Amazon, maybe they're selling direct to consumer, maybe they've run some paid ads and now they're interested in, oh, like, you know, let me dig my, dip my toes into the world of affiliate. I'm sure a lot of brands maybe have started in-house doing affiliate stuff in the terms, in terms of like, ge like general product seeding to influencers they might like or something like that. But once they get beyond that, like when they come to you, what does it look like? How do you build a, a, an, an affiliate strategy? Yeah, most brands that I talk to either have no affiliate program or they have an immature affiliate program. And so they're looking to just um, really optimize what they're doing. And so our goal is to put together a strategy that's going to help fill the top of the funnel so when people are doing research on Google, social, or whatever the platform, they're able to get that information and then come to that site. So there's a lot of different uh, ways to create that interest. So Marshall, let's assume that you're a brand and you're thinking about starting uh, to tap into affiliate. Let's say you've spun up your D2C instance, you've got an Amazon store set up, maybe you've even started doing some like product seeding where you've started working with a couple influencers that you know or that you like yourself, but now you want to really start to tap into other marketing channels outside of you know Facebook ads or something like that. So let's say I come to you, how do you guys think about building an affiliate strategy? What does it look like? What's required on the brands end? Just walk us a little bit through that. Yeah, so the, the very first thing to have an affiliate uh, program is you need to get set up on an affiliate network. There's quite a few options out there. They're all fairly similar. All the publishers work. So it's really just what fits best for your business. You have to have one of those uh, to get started. That tracks everything, provides the links. Uh, it's really the hub for everything there is affiliate marketing. And then after that is when we build the strategy. And so we really want to think, where is your customer? So there's a few different buckets that we look at right away. The first one is mass media partners. These are some of the biggest uh, media partners out there that are producing content on a Forbes, Meredith, Dot Dash, Her, Business Insider. Uh, you pro you've probably been on their more specific properties. So there's a holding companies. And so um, those are the ones that we start to look at as where can we find which properties work for this specific brand. Then we'll start to look at like niche sites, bloggers, uh, influencers, which ones are on brand. Then we'll look from an SEO standpoint, what questions that your customer is going to type into Google. Maybe there's a certain product review sites or whatever it may be that's coming up in those searches. We want to try to get in those articles because if you're looking for maybe best betting and you type in what is the best betting to Google, that first article is going to get a lot of traffic. And if you are able to be in that article, you're going to get a lot of traffic to your site in return. So trying to understand where the customer is, that's where your customers, they're doing research. Uh, they're also on social, so having the right uh, influencers. And then the last thing we look at for a strategy, which I think 
pretty much in uh, any industry is look at what your competitors are doing. Uh, with affiliate, it's easy to see what network someone else is working on, what commission rate somebody else is set at. Uh, so that's a very important part of the strategy, understanding what to pay the different partners. Um, we set that up in the very beginning as kind of like a framework. And then as we build the program over time, maybe there's certain publishers we want to pay a little bit more than our standard 10%. Or maybe there's even a product that we want to push and we offer a higher commission on that. Um, so we're looking at all these different things to build out a strategy. Um, and then the last piece with the competitors, just understanding where they are, what sites are writing about them. Because any of those relevant sites that are writing about their products are places that we would probably want to seed our product as well. So that's really what we think about when we put together that affiliate strategy. And then we go out and onboard those publishers into the program. Um, and get them to produce that content. So question about uh, the publishers, like you had mentioned, not just publishers, but like coming up with an offer and getting set up on one of these platforms. What's typical, I know you had thrown out the number about around 10%, but like what does, what does it mean for them to have that offer? What do they have? How do they track sales? And how do you as a brand come up with uh, a good offer that works across all these different types of affiliates? Yeah, so it's a good question. So we try to steer more towards focusing on a commission than on an offer. Um, I think offer is definitely like for brands that are more focused on a discount strategy. We try to keep our brands at a full price strategy. So it's more about like what's a great commission that we can offer or what's a way that we can incentivize a publisher with a added bonus. Um, having an offer is definitely helpful. Um, I think also like if you have an offer that's out there and it's generic, it's not interesting to publishers. So a lot of times we have to look at maybe making something a little bit more unique. Um, you know, I'm working on something for a client right now. We're going to give the publisher access to the sale a few days earlier than the actual sale to post about it. So it, it's coming up with something that I think is a little bit more uh, unique for each publisher than just having a generic offer. Um, but our, like our standard rev share that we would offer on a, on a program is usually around three to 5% for a coupon pro, uh, partner, maybe like five to 10% for a loyalty partner, 10 to 15% for um, content. And then for like premium content, maybe upwards of 20%. Even sometimes some people are paying upwards of 25%, but it, you know, it, it kind of blends out to be about 12% average in a lot of our programs. Got it. And then how for, for publishers, I'm really interested in on that side of things, because I think that's one that a lot of consumers are familiar with, like you're talking about, it's got the SEO angle, um, you know, people are constantly writing these different listicles and gifting guides and all that sort of thing. So for those sort of offers, what, uh, you know, how do you get the publisher engaged? Is it just a matter of publishing your offer and your brand to the network and then getting picked up by the writers? Is there another component as well? What does that look like from going to structuring your offer on that network to getting actually written about and published and picked up? Yeah, I think, and, and, and that's really like the hardest part of affiliate. So, you know, you can get set up on a platform, you can get your offer out, you can get publishers potentially interested, uh, but really like forging the relationship where you can send them the product and then they're gonna potentially write about it it really takes a lot more than just setting it up in the platform. I think that's like probably the biggest misconception that I get from people when I talk to them um, that have an affiliate program. You know, we, we set it up, nothing's happening. Yeah, nothing's happening because you haven't gone out and done anything. You have to go out, you have to forge relationships with these publishers and get them interested and excited about your brand. 
if I'm a business owner and I'm running my own affiliate program, I'm going to look for editors that are very specific to my product and try to get that product to them. Um, you know, that's why people tend to work with somebody like me because we have experience. We've forged these partnerships over time. And so I can say, Hey, this is a brand that we're working with now. Is this something that's interesting to you? Uh, they could at least give me the, the yes or no. Um, and then I can kind of pass that on where these people are getting so many people hitting them up every single day about, I have a new brand, I have a product, da, da, da. You know, it's hard to know who to promote. So having that in definitely is very helpful. And I would say with affiliate, there's been this big merge with PR. So a lot of what we're doing is a PR play. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the term performance PR, but that's, you know, kind of the intersect of affiliate and PR. And so, what, what is that magic that's happening? A lot of it's like a PR play is forging those relationships, getting those editors interested, knowing what content they're potentially going to produce. Um, so that's kind of how we approach it. And then one thing that I'm also curious about, and maybe you, you have insight on this, maybe not, but like on the other side of things, so on the publisher side, how are they thinking about uh, content in these days? I know affiliate is like one of the main ways that they're able to like monetize um, their operations. So like, I don't know if you know, but do you know any of like the direction from like the editors and how they actually think about picking up offers or is it more just uh, a blend between what they're interested in writing about where they say, we'll write about anything that's like within this affiliate sphere and we'll even entertain other products. Like how are they balancing that balance between trust for their readers and also making money for the, the, the content publisher? I think it just depends a lot on the size of the site. Um, that gets separated more and more and more as the business grows. So like, you know, when you're a small site, yeah, you're doing a little bit of everything, but soon as the site grows, pretty much the editors are separated from the affiliate side and they're not worried about how much this potentially could make us or, you know, that side of it. They're just focused on what is a product that is great and do I want to write a review of it? And, you know, okay, we're almost at summer. I'm going to write an article about sandals, right? So then they might say to the affiliate person, can you let me know what brands that we have would be a good fit for sandal coverage? And then maybe that person's facilitating getting sandals to that editor and then the editor is going to review it. But the affiliate person isn't saying, hey, you have to cover this brand and you have to give them the top position. There are paid opportunities too. So you know we've primarily talked about the content commerce side, but there's also the paid side where you can pay to have an advertising article on some of these sites. It'll say it's an advertorial, um, but that's another way to work um, and get guaranteed coverage. And that's another way that these sites are, are making money. Um, it's not just on the, the affiliate side, it's also on the, the guaranteed uh, paid side. Yeah, and I'd love to even talk a little bit about advertorial, right? Um, I know that's been a very successful channel for a lot of brands and a lot of brands that are able to use it and really get across all the, the values of their product. So what's your experience been with advertorial? How have you seen it performing? What constitutes a good, good advertorial? And yeah, what are just some examples of how you've seen uh, the advertorial side of affiliate work? I think, you know, it just depends obviously on the brand, but if there's a product and there's a lot of interest around that category, then if you write an article that's going to generate interest from search and it's really providing a lot of uh, value, that's going to help convert. I think also if you have a product that 
it requires a little more due diligence from the user before they make a decision. It's not like a t-shirt. I can go on and buy one right now. It doesn't take a lot of decision-making. I really don't need that much information on the product page besides, you know, what's the shirt made of, the sizing, you know, there's, there's limited information. You pretty much know when you see the price, <laughs> if you're going to buy it pretty quickly, you know, where something that takes a little bit more consideration, I think having those uh, articles that are really built out and they really provide a lot of information and it's driven by the brand. So it's helping convert people. I think that can be really powerful. It's probably not as necessary on those easier decisions, but where decisions are, you know, not a one or two day decision, it might take you three months, six months, a year to buy something. You need a lot more information. And that's where that, that advertorial in my mind starts to really be more beneficial on those higher ticket items. And that's another interesting thing that you brought up is just like different products have different decision-making processes, right? Like some might be as simple as like, oh, I'm looking for a new pair of flip-flops and it's like, okay, I'll buy these ones, no problem. Versus other things like if you're buying a bed or you're buying a, you know, a, a super expensive purchase, like there's a lot more consideration that goes into it versus kind of a throwaway product that you can have multiple of and that there's like a low risk for if you buy it and you don't like it, it's like, okay, whatever. So why don't you talk to us about when you're working with brands, how you think about structuring affiliate and like build, bringing the right strategy for the different types of uh, different types of product segments? Yeah, I, if it's a product that doesn't need a lot of you know decision making, it's just getting as much coverage as possible. I think you know if it's a product that requires like education, you know what type of education do we need to do? So maybe it's actually really not on the content side as far as written content it's video content we need people out there using the product and showing it in the wild how it stacks up against everyday use you know it's it's really understanding like what's important for that customer and how they're going to relate to it most you know we sell like a lot of baby products so leaning into parent influencers that are talking about the issues that they're going through it, it, it talks to somebody, it resonates somebody. That's, you know, what we try to look for is what's going to hit that audience. What's going to find that person and speak to them. And, and everybody's doing that research. Everybody's kind of figuring out what's best for them. So, you know, you just got to, again, know, know your audience. And, that, and I think that comes into any marketing channel. So if you really know your audience and I think for affiliate, you know, you won't have one audience, you might have a few different audience and knowing what different places those audience are and being able to deliver in all those places. My next question is more about, um, you know, the whole, the affiliate landscape as a whole and the marketing landscape as a whole, like you're saying, it's really important to know your audience and the types of content that they're going to need. So it seems like from the publisher point of view, there's a very clear, uh, infrastructure that's been set up for tracking, for putting a deal together. So the publishing networks will bite, but in the world of content and like video and YouTube and all these other places for where, where creators are, are involved in that uh, affiliate process. What are some of the either tools or ways in which you guys manage those sort of uh, affiliate packages or deals? Yeah. So influencers kind of what we were talking about earlier is why is affiliate grown? Influencers become a big part of it too. So that's definitely been part of why is, we're seeing so much growth in affiliate as well, just with, I mean, influencers, everything right now. Um, and it's easy to rely on that for affiliate. So as far as 
um, platforms or like how we go about finding influencers. So with the traditional affiliate networks, there are some influencers on there. We'll connect with those, we'll run with those, um, but usually takes like a secondary platform that's pulling in insights to let us know who's the right audience, how engages their audience, who's their real followers. You know, sometimes you think from just looking at someone's uh, social that, you know, they'd be a good fit and then you dive in a little bit more. Um, some of those platforms allow us to run campaigns specifically uh, through their platform and it'll run through the affiliate platform. So it'll track everything uh, via that influencer platform, but it just runs to our traditional uh, affiliate platform. Um, something like a LTK uh, we've used for some of our clients. Um, something that doesn't connect into the affiliate platform, but you can run something similar like a Grin. Um, so you know we'll use these different influencer platforms to help us find uh, additional people to drive uh, interest for those brands. But that's typically the way we go about it. Um, Usually the affiliate platforms aren't enough to, to get a strong uh, influencer program. And then as far as like how much of the program it usually becomes, I would say like a good affiliate program, maybe 10% of it is influencer. Got it. And then the other question I have is like, how do you think about content and brand as like part of that affiliate? Because like you need assets to be able to do it. So whether you're doing like influencer whitelisting or, um, you know, you have great marketing assets that you're kind of like putting out there. What are some of the assets that uh, a brand needs to be able to really be dangerous in the affiliate space? Um, I think really as far as assets, the only thing you need is, is good quality product images and really stuff that publishers can use. They're not going to use a banner that has your brand logo on it or has a CTA. They want lifestyle images that when they post it in an article or review, it's going to look like organic it's not going to look like something that brand provided um but even better and i know a lot of the brands that we work with prefer this is for when they gift the product for them to take great photos and use that in their uh work and then the brand can also then leverage that content in anything that they're doing so it's like a two-way street there's a benefit uh for both so I would say, yeah, they, they want to be able to leverage what they currently have if it's strong, but it's actually getting the publisher to develop their own content and assets that tends to be the most valuable. Got it. And then um, just another thing real quick is in terms of the logistics of making it happen, how do payouts work with the brand? What are the payment terms for some of these like affiliate platforms and how does that whole side of the comp structure work? Yeah, so as far as the payout structure um, every affiliate platform is slightly different, but the model typically is they don't pay out the affiliate until the sale has locked. And that basically means the brand has confirmed this is a true sale and we're going to pay out on it. You can set the locking period. Uh, it could be based on what your return rate is. So maybe you want to not lock your sales until you know that everybody's made that return. So if you have a 30-day return window, you might not want to have your locking period less than 30 days. Um, but the longer the locking period, the less advantageous it is to a publisher. They don't want somebody that has, you know, a 90-day locking period. That's, that wouldn't be interesting. And I don't think anybody really does it. It's usually 15 to 30 days. So once that locks, um, then the publisher is paid out depending on how that network pays out. Uh, some networks they have the brand pay up front and then they just subtract those funds. 
and then some they invoice the brand at the end of the month um, and then once they get paid they'll pay out the publisher so the publisher doesn't get paid until the network gets paid um, and the network will not invoice until the all uh, it's till it's locked so there's a it's it's not like an overnight process it does take some time for somebody to get paid um so that i probably could be a frustrating point for someone just getting started that's a publisher um and then some of them require like a certain amount of uh, revenue generated before they'll start to transfer the money out no that makes a bunch of sense and then the other question that i'd have is because you've obviously been in the space for a little while what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see brands making when it comes to affiliate, whether it's, uh, you know, on the structuring deal side, it's who they work with or how they're th about whether it's their percentage, like what are the biggest like pitfalls you commonly see? I mean, the number one thing is people think they can do it on their own. Uh, that's pretty much the number one issue I run into. I'll audit the program and I'll see that they just don't have the right partners in there. When you set up on an affiliate network, the publishers that are going to apply first are obviously the publishers that are probably the lowest of value to your program. Um, most likely to maybe do something that is not within the rules of the program or less favorable for how you want to run your marketing. So a lot of times people just approve everybody because they're like, oh, this person wants to work with me. So not knowing how to vet the partners and have the right partners is pretty much the biggest issue that I run across because people think they can manage it on their own. They'll let people in. They won't have the payout set right. We were auditing a program today. They thought they set something up like very unique, but it was set up in the wrong way. And so they were paying everybody out 0%. And so it wasn't recording any sales. So, you know, they thought they set up like this advanced feature, which it's a challenging feature to set up and it's set up wrong and it's not giving the publishers compensation for the traffic they're driving. And it might not make them excited about the program. So a lot of times we're coming in, we're cleaning up, we're fixing everything and getting the program so we can actually move forward. But that's the biggest mistake that I see people make is think they can do it on their own without knowing which partners and how they work and, and all the nuances. It's easy to get um, caught up in a scheme or some sort of fraud with affiliate. Got it. Um, and, and one thing that you were just saying that I'd, I'd love to really kind of dig into a little more as you're saying, you guys have like an audit process, right? To make sure that uh, brands aren't going about it the wrong way. So imagine I'm a brand and imagine I'm, you know, selling, uh, I'm selling hoodies or I'm selling apparel, right? Like what's your, what's your first step in terms of auditing uh, me and making sure that like we're, you guys are set up in an engagement to like be able to make this really successful. Yeah, we want to see the publisher mix right away. And that tells us a lot. And it's probably like piggybacking a little bit on the, on the last question is we have a top of funnel approach. So when we look in the program, if there's full funnel, what happens is it sounds great to run a full funnel affiliate program. But if you do, a lot of the attribution tends to go to the bottom of the funnel. So most affiliate programs play on last click attribution. You can play on first click and you can also split the attribution between the first and the last click. So the first thing that I'm looking for is one, what is the marketing uh, mix in there? Is it all top of funnel? Is it a mix? If it's all top of funnel, then I usually can have a good idea. Like, are they missing a lot of partners? Do they have the right mix? Are they on the right track? If it's full funnel, I can look at the partners that I normally work with. And if I see that they have a really low conversion rate, and they're driving a lot of traffic, that to me already says that 
they're losing attribution to maybe somebody that's at the bottom of the funnel. So right there, we're recommending to maybe change the way you do your attribution or removing some of the partners that are in the program or having a specific strategy around some of those lower funnel partners. Another thing that I run into a lot is people have these lower funnel partners in the program and they're fine to have, but you have to have a strategy, not just like, oh, they're here, they're a coupon publisher and they serve a coupon and that's it. You know, you need to kind of work with them to really understand like, how are they driving traffic to your site? How is it gonna make that traffic incremental? Um, are they gonna check out at a higher AOV? Is the conversion rate gonna go up? You know, what are those things that you're gonna work on together to get something out of that partnership? But you wanna make sure that your funnel is properly set up so it's not over attributing to one side versus the other. Yeah, could you kind of explain that um, in a little bit more detail just so I kind of have a, a, a clearer understanding. So do you mean it in the sense that like one sale might be attributing to like multiple partners or like what, what, what do you kind of mean by setting up the funnel for top of funnel as well as bottom of funnel attribution in the right way? Yeah, so you have multiple affiliates in a program and you have one click stream and multiple affiliates can touch the same person throughout the sale. So go back to the bed example, because when you're saying bed, I, I thought about when we bought one and how much back and forth, you know, each person did on the research. I did a bunch of research. My wife did a bunch of research. We talked about it. And so top of the funnel, we said, you know, what are the best beds? Right. So we start looking there. Uh, then we maybe said, okay, we narrowed it down to two bed companies. So we're maybe a little bit more in the middle of the funnel and we're going to go, we want to look at a review on each one of those. So now we're on a second affiliate site. We're looking at reviews. Uh, then maybe, you know, we did a little bit more research and we're starting to get ready to make a decision. Um, maybe we're like searching for deals now and we're looking for like best bedding deals or mattress deals. And now we're on a new affiliate site and then, I'm a loyalty shopper. I like to get points or miles when I check out. So I know my last click is going to be with a loyalty partner. So that loyalty partner is going to get the attribution for my sale. Now I looked at 10, 20, 30 other places and that full attribution is only going to go to one place. So if you think about it, the last touch is always going to get the credit because it's going to have the highest intent, somebody that's ready to buy, looking for a discount, coupon, or cash back points miles, where someone at the top of the funnel, if they're still just doing the discovery, the intent is different. Not saying they're not as good of a customer, it's just going to take more time and require more touch points. So having that single click stream and maybe crediting at both the first touch point and the last touch point can be really beneficial. Got it. Yeah, that makes a bunch of sense. And then as far as attribution, like how does it work for people? Is this based on cookies? Like how do brands uh, attribute who the sale went to and what does that look like for someone who's just getting up and started? Yeah, primarily it's cookie based. Uh, there are some more advanced technologies, uh, server to server technology. So it just depends, you know, on the specific network, what technology they use. Um, but it's all pixel based. Um, there are some integrations directly with Shopify for a lot of the platforms that help track. Um, so that's typically how they're doing the attribution is they're looking at that um, to make that decision. Got it. And in terms of where things kind of go from here, I think we're kind of at an exciting uh, you know, juncture where a lot of brands are looking for 
other outlets that maybe they haven't been doing such a great job at to like really tap into to grow. I know affiliates, one of them, a lot of brands that I've been talking to have been really excited about affiliate and upping their, um, you know, spend and focus in terms of those programs. But what are some of the, I guess, in both, both ends, right? Like what are some of the things that, what are some of the tailwinds that you're really excited about in affiliate and being able to work on in the upcoming um, year or two? And then what are some of the, I guess, not headwinds, but like changes that you see coming in, in the affiliate space? So as far as like what I'm most excited about is just, it seems like the channel is getting a lot more respect and it's becoming a bigger part of the budget. And I think heading into a potential recession or downturn or, or whatever the economic state is, people are going to look to performance marketing. So I think it's going to be a really strong channel for the next few years uh, because of the economic state. And then what was what was the second part of your question? Well, just like what do you see changing in the landscape as well? Right. There's so many more platforms. You have different creators. You have people who are shopping on online, on mobile, through apps, through all these different like fragmented platforms. So how does that affect affiliate and what's the future of affiliate? I mean, I think affiliate can be anything. So as more technologies, tools and things come to light, they can easily use affiliate to gain traction. Um, like some of the biggest partners out there, you know, they're using affiliate to find new business or it's even how they help get their business off of the ground. Like, you know, you can use it to prospect early on and get connected to a lot of brands in a really great pool and run things on a performance basis, it's going to interest a lot of people. So somebody like a firm was an affiliate long time and that's how they got people. And then they eventually come off affiliate and run it through, you know, the traditional model. But just having stuff like that um, is a great way for publishers just to grab somebody in. So I think like, as far as like where things are headed, um, anything that's changing um, is probably great for affiliate because that's a new channel that we can bring into the fold. One thing that you mentioned was whitelisting. That's like a huge, huge topic this year on how that's going to fit into affiliate. I see a lot of publishers running with it right now. Um, I just talked to another publisher. They're looking to, to run um, some additional stuff on social with that. So it's definitely like kind of just evolving. You know, it was very specific to deals and coupons like five or 10 years ago. Um, now it's kind of shifting to content. And so all these new ways to produce content, you know, can, can come to be part of affiliate. Yeah, I've even seen some stuff where like, I guess the link between PR and affiliate kind of and publishing kind of like you'd been talking about. I've even seen some stuff where you've got like a brand that'll work with a publisher, they'll get, you know, their brand in vogue or something. And then they'll take that article or whatever publishing and they'll use that as social proof to like run ads on are, are there any things that you've seen kind of in that realm i mean that that's exactly it you know what they'll do is they'll say like this is good housekeeping's 2023 best pillow of the year and then they'll run an ad around that um through the brand social hey we were named best pillow of the year by you know this site, this is the badge we received. And then there people are coming. So it's definitely uh, becoming a big piece for sure. No, that's really cool. And um, kind of as we wrap up here, what, um, you know, are, are there any other tools or technologies that you've kind of spotted that, uh, that get you really excited? Um, I mean, I think for, for affiliate, 
uh, a lot of it is you got to kind of roll your sleeves up. There's not like a lot of tools. There's a lot of like buzz about like chat GPT and you know how it's helping people in SEO and other channels. And like, I think affiliate, you know, it's still just like a roll your sleeves up channel. You got to find the partners, go out there and really, you know, just stay on top of it. It's not like a, you, you set it and forget it kind of channel. So there's not a ton of tools that really make your job that much easier. There's definitely some tools that you can use for prospecting affiliates uh, to find which ones are the right mix for your program. Uh, there's tools that'll tell you like where your links are for your competitors or for the types of categories that you're looking to uh, cover. So you could look for publishers in that um, area. There's some reporting tools that we use uh, that pull the reporting from the different networks together. So you have everything in one place. Um, that's like, we, we, you know, we don't really use too many tools. It's, it's really, you know, like it's, it's, it's a sales job at the end of the day, it's forging relationships. You know, we do a lot of conferences. That's where we meet with the publishers, share what we're doing with the brands, bring the product, let them touch it, feel it, see it. Um, so that's definitely a, a big way that we, we leverage it too. So yeah. Cool. Amazing. And as we wrap up here, um, where can we connect with you, how can brands learn more about affiliate from you? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Where, why don't you shout out your your socials and where to find you? Yeah, I'm always on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Uh, you can always find us on our website as well, www.nimo.co. Always happy for a chat. So just send me a connect on LinkedIn and uh, tell me how you heard me and uh, happy to get on a quick call and chat about affiliate if you have any questions. Sweet. Thank, thanks so much for coming on the pod, Marshall. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode.